Hey everyone, Ray Robinson here, host of the Unsensitive Podcast. You're probably wondering, what does unsensitive mean? Well, it's a completely made-up word to define a topic that is insensitive to talk about at family gatherings and parties, but you talk about them anyway. It's a podcast that you can send your most clueless family members to save them the embarrassment of asking these questions themselves. New episodes drop every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m., part of the Fearscape Media Network, because quite honestly, what's scarier than facing your own misconceptions about the world around you? <sighs> King to C1. Knight to E2. King to B1. Knight to C3. King back to C1. And that's game. Rook to C2. Damn. Never play chess against a polygot. It's more the eidetic memory. Until you hit the upper 2000s elo, chess is more of a memorization game than strategy, really. Huh. I guess chess is old enough to have the early strategy already worked out. Exactly. So, have time for another? I think so. Let me check. Ah, oh, shit. I have a meeting in an hour. We need to get started on the download. A shame. But we're downloading SCP-2000 today, right? Nope. On London and the Silver Samurai. What? 2000 is one of the Foundation's most important locations. Why don't you want to record it? 05-2 let me know they're running a new experiment on SCP-2000. And they want to make certain its results are properly downloaded. We could go back and download the results after it's done. This jumping around between SCPs is getting weird. You know how higher level researchers get about exact documentation. They'd just have us download the entire document again. It's not worth our time. Do you know anything else about the experiment? Something about ensuring the Lazarus Pool can affect SCP-1440. They're bringing the Humanity Destroyer to the Humanity Recreator. Apparently, the entire O5 Council signed off on the experiment. Alright then. Ready when you are. SCP-1678 Object Class Euclid Special Containment Procedures SCP-1678 remains only partially contained. Mobile Task Forces Tau-4 and Epsilon-6 have succeeded in establishing a defensible perimeter around the Hyde Park district of SCP-1678. With cases of SCP-1678-A largely ceasing their attacks on the perimeter of the Foundation-held area. A long-term research base is currently under construction, and Mobile Task Force commanders are preparing an assault on the SCP-1678 National History Museum, with the intent of capturing a forward command post to direct defense efforts. Current short-term aims include the capture of and extension of the defensible perimeter to the SCP-1678 Natural History Museum, and to research and to ascertain the origins, construction, and weaknesses of the SCP-1678-A entities. Long-term aims involve efforts to halt, hinder, or control the production of the SCP-1678-A entities, 
and to assault the SCP-1678 Houses of Parliament, where the being, entity, or intelligence responsible for the creation of SCP-1678 is believed to reside, and to capture and contain the aforementioned being. Description SCP-1678 is a full-scale, mirror-image reconstruction of the British city of London, located exactly one kilometer underneath the original city of London. Currently, only the Hyde Park district of SCP-1678 has been explored, but all buildings, at least within the explored district, correlate exactly to their surface counterparts in terms of location, as well as the exterior size and shape, although rarely in terms of architecture, building material, and interior layout. The city has been constructed to resemble the city as it was in the Victorian era, with constructions designed to resemble traditional gas lighting prevalent on the streets, and with all modern buildings in the original city of London being represented in a Victorian style of architecture, most notably the skyscrapers of the business district. Illumination is infrequent and unreliable, and it is unknown how SCP-1678 has acquired a steady source of oxygen and gas supply. SCP-1678 is believed to have been constructed instantaneously by unknown means, with the SCP-1678 Houses of Parliament serving as the epicenter for the construction process. This is evidenced by the fact that, as distance from the Houses of Parliament increase, there is an exponentially increasing frequency of flaws in the construction of SCP-1678, such as houses built entirely out of copper pipes or other unconventional materials, gaslights being little more than a metal rod topped with a floating orb of light, buildings containing no floors, and at the furthest explored distance from the epicenter, no windows or doors. Aside from Foundation occupants and cases of SCP-1678-A, B, and C, SCP-1678 is believed to be uninhabited. SCP-1678 is believed to have been constructed with the intent to harbor the survivors of an XK-class end-of-the-world event. This is evidenced by an audio recording that will activate and play upon any person entering the city. SCP-1678 Audio Transcript Entrance My fellow citizen, if you are hearing this tape, then the world as we knew it has finished. The sky has broken, the ground heaves with the tramp of terrible feet, and all the horror and madness from the dark corners of the world has broken free to exact its vengeance on the world of man. Those who sought to contain them are killed or scattered and we soon learnt that to attempt to fight these creatures is almost invariably to face one's death. Countless billions have been slaughtered in their attempt to sate their endless appetite for death, and there is nothing, was nothing, we could do to stop them. Evil has raised its bloody flag upon all nations of the world and crowed its unholy victory to the broken sky. Yes, this is the end. But there is a new hope. Welcome 
to one London, a city of survivors, a city of the free. Together, fellow citizen, we will wait and prepare for the new beginning, the grand new world that is soon to come. Let the world above burn. We will endure. Let the monsters have their world. We will prepare. And let the ground tremble with a new Armageddon as evil consumes itself. For I tell you, citizen, upon the day of the ruination of man, their insatiable appetites will turn them against one another in their endless lust for death. We will wait. And I tell you, citizen, that there will be a new morning, and you will emerge from un-London and stand blinking in the sun, as our children play and laugh in the bones of horrors long dead. And you will walk hand in hand to the sea, our faces skyward, as the rising sun ushers in the new age of man. And you will gather, citizen, at my feet, as I summon on London from its rest, and it shall burst, phoenix-like, from the ashes of the old. And on that day, citizen, there shall be a new order, as we raise the Union flag over the entire world. I welcome you to Unlondon, the last city, and the first. SCP-1678 Audio Transcripts Miscellaneous The following message is relayed on the end of every hour. The time is time o'clock. All is well. On approaching any bank or police station. Citizen, you are entering a restricted area. Have your authorization papers ready. A bobby will arrive to escort you shortly. Warning. A single case of SCP-1678-A will be summoned. On being cited by a case of SCP-1678-A. Halt! Police! Drop your weapons! Come now, let's be having you. Police, don't run! Randomly, once per hour. The messages below are selected samples of the 1678 observed audio recordings. No one is safe from the influence of mimetic beings. Have yourself assessed today. You could be possessed by a mimetic horror and not even know it. Psyche assessments are free and easy. Visit a clinic today. Do you find light uncomfortable? Identifying a cortex worm's infection early makes them possible to remove. Speak to your doctor today. Have you noticed anyone acting oddly? Tell a Bobby immediately. Crime will not be tolerated in un-London. I warn you, the tormentors of society will become its defenders. Evil can walk in human form and human flesh. Stay vigilant. Are you frequently anxious or depressed? It could be a symptom of the pattern screamer's influence. Notify a Bobby immediately. Ensure you are well rehearsed in all breach protocols. There is no excuse for panic or confusion during drills. Can't meet ends, mate? Do not be ashamed. 
Bryson's House for the Poor is here to help. I rule in the interests of the many, not the few. There are no special privileges. Swelling and abnormal growths are an early sign of the slaver man's possession. Report any abnormal sickness to your doctor immediately. Each and every one of you is responsible for the safety of un-London and its citizens. Be watchful. Most explored buildings within SCP-1678 appear to have been outfitted for the purpose of extremely dense inhabitation, with closely grouped steel bunk beds, a common feature in any building suitable for the purpose. Foundation researchers have advised that most explored buildings within SCP-1678 are unfit for human habitation, due to a high preponderance of mold, damp, and poor construction within these buildings. Some buildings are outfitted for other purposes. Most notably, the SCP-1678 version of the Natural History Museum, which is featuring an exhibit titled The Fall of Man, and contains representations of several known SCP entities, and images and artwork depicting apocalyptic settings. The key threat posed by SCP-1678 is by entities referred to in some SCP-1678 audio recordings as Bobbies. Bobby is known to be a Victorian-era British slang term for policemen. Henceforth, reference to as SCP-1678-A. These entities are constructed out of human corpses, crudely dismembered at the head, wrists, knees, and elbows, and reassembled using simple industrial hinges and screws. The head is always wrapped in bandages. They are dressed in a uniform similar to Victorian-era police, and are extremely hostile towards Foundation personnel, attacking them on sight with improvised weapons. These attacks are always preceded by SCP-1678-A emitting a noise similar to that of a policeman's whistle, and all loudspeakers within 100 meters emitting the audio recording, Police! Halt, criminal! Instances of SCP-1678-A are extremely resistant to damage, with only high-caliber rounds and explosive weapons proving sufficient to destroy them. They are believed to originate from a building named Bryson's Home for the Poor, as evidenced by an inmate-style jumpsuit worn under the uniform. To what extent they interact with other SCP-1678 entities is unknown. SCP-1678-B Role Surveillance A.K.A. Eyes in the Sky Cases of SCP-1678-B are biomechanical constructs which resemble that of a small avian life form. They are composed of a central mass of red organic matter stitched together by a copper exoskeleton that resembles a spine and wing bones. The head has been demonstrated to be a small video camera, and remnants of feathers and plastic on their exterior suggests they were once intended to resemble a pigeon. Cases of SCP-1678-B are known to possess no offensive or destructive capabilities, 
yet their ability to track task force movements should not be underestimated, as it is currently unknown if they are capable of communicating with, or summoning cases of, SCP-1678-A. Cases of SCP-1678-B are relatively simple to contain or destroy, yet their large numbers make their observation of Foundation activities extremely difficult to stop. Occasional posters throughout the Foundation explored area allude to their existence. These posters display an image of a small pigeon observing criminal activity beneath the title Unlondon's Eyes in the Sky, alongside a small message to the effect that anyone destroying or vandalizing an eye in the sky faces up to six weeks in the unit. SCP-1678-C Role Unknown A.K.A. Wretch Cases of SCP-1678-C resemble a humanoid figure dressed in rags. They appear to be of old age, and are usually, although not always, female. They have always been encountered outside the Foundation-held area. There have been very few direct encounters with the SCP-1678-C entities, and it is currently unknown how many cases exist, or to what level of threat they pose to Foundation security or safety. Encounters typically feature cases of SCP-1678-C sitting on a street corner with a begging dish, whereupon they will attempt to attract the pity or mercy of any Foundation personnel within their proximity, with pleading or begging for food or money. Supplying a case of SCP-1678-C with food will cause them to begin weeping before dematerializing with a burst of dense black smoke. Foundation personnel are currently under instruction to not interact with them. They are briefly alluded to in an SCP-1678 audio recording. Do not pity the wretch. Allow them to pay the price of their betrayal for all eternity. Remember, citizen, on the day on London rises, I shall reward the loyal, but traitors shall be forever damned. SCP-1678-D Roll Food Supply A.K.A. Dr. Goody's Wonder Food SCP-1678-D is believed to be the primary food source on offer in the event that SCP-1678 receives full-scale occupation. SCP-1678-D is freely and easily available from steel vending machines installed in virtually every building or structure outfitted for the purpose of habitation. The vending machines are upright steel pumps, similar in size and shape to that of a modern petrol pump, containing a slot for the receiving of coins, and a flexible rubber hose ending in a trigger-operated nozzle that will deploy half a liter of SCP-1678-D upon the appropriate payment. All vending machines display the legend, Dr. Goody's Wonder Food, alongside an image of a smiling child enjoying a bowl of SCP-1678-D, 
and text bubbles advertising that SCP-1678-D costs just a farthing a bowl, that it contains all nutrients you need, and completely restores health and vitality. It has proven to be extremely attractive to cases of SCP-1678-B, C, and an unknown species of colored mollusk, which has been observed feeding on any spillages. SCP-1678-D is a synthetic starch gel heavily enriched with various minerals, vitamins, fats, and bulking agents. In addition to this, it contains several unknown molecular structures and various engineered DNA helixes contained within synthetic cellular structures. It has the same consistency and taste as porridge. As advertised, it contains all the nutrients necessary for short-term survival. However, Foundation researchers have advised that over a period of more than six weeks, users of SCP-1678-D will become dangerously underweight due to the low levels of fat and protein within SCP-1678-D, and are at strong likelihood of contracting illnesses such as scurvy if survival is attempted by consuming SCP-1678-D alone. SCP-1678-D appears to be purposefully engineered to manipulate the psyche of regular consumers. Through a mixture of unknown molecular compounds, regular consumers are more obedient to authority, are less likely to commit acts of violence, and are less likely to engage in sexual intercourse, have a reduced capacity for fear or panic, and have consistently high morale. In addition, it also has engineered side effects, such as depressive symptoms and headaches, if a subject suddenly abandons consuming SCP-1678-D. Due to the difficulty of creating food within SCP-1678, SCP-1678-D would serve as the primary food source in the event of large-scale habitation. Foundation personnel are forbidden to consume SCP-1678-D, even in small amounts. Not all vending machines produce SCP-1678-D to the same quality, with some machines deploying corrupted forms that have induced severe mental or physical abnormalities, or death, within the consumer. It is currently unclear what entity, being, or intelligence is responsible for the creation and maintenance of SCP-1678. It is unclear as to what event or disaster SCP-1678 is being prepared for. Item Number SCP-2200 Object Class Catter Special Containment Procedures The current instance of SCP-2200-2 is to be kept in a standard humanoid containment chamber at Biosite 59. To prevent the relocation of SCP-2200-1, a minimum of five armed security personnel must escort SCP-2200-2 to Termination Chamber T-28 once a month to assist in routine D-Class cycling. 
In the event SCP-2200-1 relocates, Mobile Task Force Epsilon-30, Blade Fielders, is to be deployed to seek out and contain the new SCP-2200-2 instance. The area of land encompassing SCP-2200-3 has been designated Site-502, with Foundation faculty members living as residents in the town proper. As SCP-2200-3 is populated by anomalous individuals, faculty may acknowledge the existence of anomalous activity in general, but are not to divulge details on any SCP object besides SCP-2200. Each staff member living on site is to submit a weekly report detailing their experience and interactions. For all intents and purposes, SCP-2200-3 is to remain an autonomous community with minimal political and social interference by the Foundation. Additional intervention may be ordered by the presiding on-site staff lead at their discretion. As a number of inert instances are already in storage for testing and archival purposes, additional inert SCP-2200-4 are to be collected and melted down for use in funding Foundation activities. Description SCP-2200 is the collective designation of several interrelated anomalous phenomena. SCP-2200-1 is a sword, 80 centimeters in length, composed of an alloy of silver and copper, estimated to have been constructed between 1000 and 500 BCE. SCP-2200-1 is luminescent, giving off blue light at a level of brightness directly proportional to the number of SCP-2200-4 subjects residing in SCP-2200-3. Similarly, increased numbers of SCP-2200-4 subjects reverses deterioration caused by SCP-2200-1's age, making it a more effective weapon. SCP-2200-2 refers to the human individual who is currently bonded with SCP-2200-1. SCP-2200-2 subjects cannot separate themselves from SCP-2200-1, and any attempt to forcibly remove it from the subject's grasp will result in the immediate death of the subject. Similarly, surgical removal of the hand or arm bonded to SCP-2200-1 will also result in death. When an SCP-2200-2 instance dies, SCP-2200-1 anomalously relocates into the hand of another individual and instantly bonds with them. There is no apparent limit to the distance SCP-2200-1 can travel when transporting itself to a new subject. SCP-2200-1 appears to selectively bond with subjects that share a similar set of traits, see document 2200-A, which suggests that it may be intelligent to some degree. Bonding with SCP-2200-1 will cause subjects to suffer from an anomalous form of agrosis, which causes their skin to rapidly develop a distinct blue hue. If an SCP-2200-2 subject 
does not end a human life for an extended period of time, SCP-2200-1 will relocate itself. After bonding with SCP-2200-1, SCP-2200-2 subjects experience heightened epinephrine and testosterone levels, and immediately gain an understanding of SCP-2200 in its entirety. These factors, combined with the SCP-2200-2 subject's background, see document 2200-A, have invariably resulted in SCP-2200-2 killing those around them with SCP-2200-1. SCP-2200-3 is a 50-square-kilometer area of land located Whenever a person is killed by SCP-2200-1, a likeness of the individual formed out of an anomalous silver-based alloy, SCP-2200-4, will appear in SCP-2200-3. Despite being made of inorganic material, instances of SCP-2200-4 are fully animate and capable of vocalization. Interviews have shown that SCP-2200-4 instances share the personality and memories of the victim they resemble. Because of their metallic composition, SCP-2200-4 cease aging after their conversion and are resistant to physical damage. SCP-2200-4 do not need to eat, drink, or sleep in order to sustain themselves but may perform these actions if they so choose. Instances of SCP-2200-4 that leave SCP-22-3 will cease animation upon setting foot outside the designated 50-square-kilometer space. SCP-2200-4 instances seem to be innately aware of the dimensions of the safe area. Any that leave remain permanently inert, and cannot be restored by being returned to SCP-2200-3. Document 2200-A Characteristics Shared by SCP-2200-2 Subjects Between 15 and 45 years of age Physically active Strong fear of death Negative view of what happens after death Psychological or emotional instability. Interview 2200-I-15 Interviewed SCP-2200-2, Instance 37 A 36-year-old male from British Columbia. Interviewer, Dr. Stems Forward Interview was conducted on... Two days after SCP-2200-2 Instance 37 was detained. Begin log. Alright, we're going to run through this one more time for the records. Please describe the series of events that transpired after SCP-2200-1 appeared in your hand. One moment, I was just sitting in my bedroom reading, when all of a sudden I had this... This vision. I saw this place where people could live forever. 
I mean, on an intellectual level, I was aware that what I saw was impossible. But at the same time, I was convinced it was true. And I knew that I could send people there with the sword. What was your first course of action? I waited until dark. I live alone, so nobody noticed me going out in the middle of the night. Whenever I came across some homeless person sleeping alone, I'd slit their throat or stab them in the heart or something like that. It went on for a few nights until I got caught by the cops. They turned me over to you guys and, well, here I am. I see. Anything else you'd like to add? I want to make it clear that I'm not a psychopath or anything. I sent those people away because death could have come for them at any moment. What if they weren't right with God? The way I see it, when someone is sent to that place, they're basically guaranteed eternal life. I was eliminating the risk of hell for them, you know? I know it sounds terrible, but I had good intentions. I wasn't really killing them. Just sending them to heaven, kind of. Or at least keeping them safe from the alternative. Thank you for your time. End log. Interview 2200-I-124 Interviewed SCP-2200-2, Instance 82 A 29-year-old female from Washington, USA Interviewer, Researcher Iwataki. Forward. Interview was conducted on... Three weeks after SCP-2200-2, Instance 82, was detained. Begin log. Okay, we're going to be recording this time. If you're ready, please describe the series of events that transpired after SCP-2200-1 appeared in your hand. I immediately knew that my life was pretty much over. I knew that I couldn't let go of this sword. Ever. All my plans for my life, my career, my family, all of it was gone. But at the same time, I guess I thought I had an opportunity. Were you happy with the situation? No. God, no. I would have given anything to stop what happened. So why did you do it? Don't you judge me. Not for a second. What would you do if you could keep your loved ones alive forever? My sister died when she was six. How could I be sure my kids wouldn't die young too? Twenty-second pause. I may have saved them, but I hated doing it. It destroyed me. Honestly, after I finished with my family... Saving strangers felt like a walk in the park in comparison. God, I still can't believe any of this happened. I'm surprised the police didn't just shoot me on the spot. That's what usually happens. Makes things more difficult for us. If you see my family, please tell them I'm sorry. I'll pass that on. Thank you for your cooperation. I know these past few weeks haven't been easy for you. End log. Interview 2200-I-207 Interviewed SCP-2200-4 
instance 581. A 68-year-old male religious leader in SCP-2200-3. Interviewer, Researcher Pittinger. Begin log. If you would, please describe the Exodus movement for me, as if I was unfamiliar with it. Certainly. Here in Solberg, or Silverville, whatever you want to call it, there are a multitude of people who fear what awaits when they cross the threshold and give up their life. Those of us who are of faith believe that this is more of a purgatory than the paradise that God intended for us. You see, this place is founded on the fear of what happens after death. Once you have been sent here by the sword, you can postpone your fate as long as you like. Your life will only end when you cross the city limits. The Exodus Movement is a religious initiative that seeks to help Salzburg citizens come to terms with their mortality and willingly pass on to the next world. If you believe in an afterlife, why have you yourself not crossed the threshold as well? Some of us believers have to remain to maintain the church and continue to spread the good news. As much as I desire to meet my heavenly father, I stay behind so that I might aid those who are still shackled by fear and doubt. Opponents of the Exodus movement have accused you of merely wanting to reduce overpopulation and increase your field of influence. How do you answer these allegations? I can understand why they would think such things. As long as the church has existed, so have its critics. Even among believers, there are those who believe crossing the threshold to be a sin, as it equates to suicide. Disagreements are a given in matters of religion. Any additional comments you would like me to record? This society is built upon man's fear of death. Whether you believe in heaven or hell, afterlife or finality, you must ask yourself, is the pursuit of immortality truly virtuous? By choosing to remain safe in our silver shells, we rob ourselves of our dignity. By fearing death, we only give it more power.'